The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Thank God for your pastor and his dear wife. Uh, They worked not too far from where I pastor for years. And he, you know, I always measure a man about how, 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 how he can get under. If a man who can get under and stay under usually can get over. In other words, what I'm trying to say is I measure a man's leadership by his submissionship. And this young man was submissive to church authority. He loved the church so much, he tolerated and put up with a lot of stuff. And that's why God gave him one. Amen? Because you've got to put up with a lot of stuff when you're a pastor. But the Lord's had my wife, Linda, who's here. Lynn, raise your hand. I would ask her to stand, but we're at the age right now. That's hard. And... <laughs> We don't want you to hear her bones uh, switching gears, getting engaged. Amen. <laughs> uh, but uh, she's a sweetheart. Uh, she, I, I met her when she was 15. I was 16. And uh, we were married. I was 24. She was 23. And this year we're coming on our 44th wedding anniversary. Total altogether, I've been with her like 51 years. And uh, she's a good friend, a, a good partner. And I like her. <laughs> I like her. Some days I don't like her, but... You know, and that's when I go to the Bible, and he gets me to like her again. <laughs> Let me give you a little help to be married. Start to pity each other. That's what First Peter 3 says. Pity one another. So find some things that your partner's it's pitiful. <laughs> you are real pitiful. <laughs> but uh, I pity her. We have eight children, two girls, six sons. I put a sign in the boys' bedroom. Checkout time's 18. And... Uh, <laughs> Now, most of them left by 18, but the last two, I got their twins, Josiah and Jeremiah. They're 26, and they're still there. You say, why? They're ugly. <laughs> How do you get ugly kids married? I put a bag over their head, but the girl rips the bag off. I don't know. <laughs> kids are uglier than sin, I'm telling you. I had a song leader live to be 98. He said to me when they were born, he says, you know, you got handsome kids. I said, thanks, Jess. He says, those twins, though. <laughs> so they were ugly when they were born, amen? So girls looking for an ugly guy who makes good money? Oh, see me after the church. If you can get him out of the house, I'll give you a bonus. <laughs> I told my wife, we're going to move someday and just don't tell them. <laughs> when they see the mortgage, they'll leave. <laughs> and right before it goes into foreclosure, we'll come back and take the house, amen? Isn't that funny? Listen, where I work... In the inner city, you've got to make yourself laugh. Amen. And so humor's been one of our stays. As uh, Growing up, I grew up in South Philly, and I had six sisters. I was the only boy. My dad died when I was nine, left my mother with a 16-year-old. She was the oldest. The youngest was five. So we, he was a contractor. We went from having it really nice to poverty, broke. And then I went to inner city gangs. I was raised up in inner city gangs. No money, no toys. We had to make our own. And uh, we learned to laugh. That was our, like, salvation until I met Jesus, humor. So when I got saved, Jesus left the humor. He cleaned it up a little good, you know, the whole lot. But I still like to laugh. I mean, I just heard bad news. We have four bad, bad news cases this week, and I got to deal with them this week, and I just, I'm laughing. <laughs> They're gonna, you're going to see me in a friend's hospital this week. Say, well, at least he's happy. Amen. <laughs> but uh, that's ministry. Uh, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for problems. And that's what your pastor's here for. You don't see your pastor on a good day, but you see him on a bad day, right? And uh, so uh, 
It's great. I, I believe I don't want anyone else to do what I have to do, especially this week. This is uh, not enjoyable, but that's what God's called me to do. And that's the brokenhearted, the bruised, the bound, the blind, and the broke. And Luke chapter 4, that's what he called me. And that was my call for preaching, Luke 4, 17 and 18. And that's what I'm with, the blind, the broke, the bruised. Amen. I'm with all those dear, dear folks. And so I love helping people. That's, that's my forte. If you're poor, you're broke, you're in jail, you're my kind of people. Amen. You got a few bucks. For some reason, they, they run away from me. <laughs> Can't catch anybody with a few dollars. Eh? You know, just, they just run away. I don't know what it is. I tell my wife, smell me. Am I okay? Anyway, I drove a millionaire around the city. He's seen every other church's need but ours. <laughs> I don't want to cry to the guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, but that's life. Did you hear about the parrot kids? He was using bad words he shouldn't have been using. And they said, you better stop, Mr. Parrot. We're going to put you in the freezer. Well, he wouldn't shut up. So they stuck the parrot in the freezer. He's banging on the door. Oh, please open the door. Open the door. And they finally let him out. He says, I learned my lesson. I won't speak bad no more. He said, I just want to ask one question. He said, what's that? He said, what did the turkey do? (laughs) So bad language you can excuse, but if you act like a turkey, you're in trouble. Amen. (laughs) You're going to the freezer. (laughs) And you're not coming out to your heart hearted. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 1, listen, I have an excuse. I had six sisters, then two daughters. Uh, I've been surrounded with women all my life. I was a Catholic in those days, so I took Mary, and I stuck her in a closet, and I said, Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, you better start giving me some sons. <laughs> it really worked, because I got six sons after that. I'll tell you. <laughs> Amen. I just kidnapped his mother and said, that's it. You won't ever see her again. So, but We have a great family, 19 grandchildren. You know, my children are sinners, but they're saved sinners. Their father's a sinner, but he's a saved sinner. Amen. And we deal with sinners just like we deal with church sinners. We disciple. We ask them to confess, repent, change, and practice at home. When they get to the church, we practice what we practice at home. If a man can't lead his home, he can't lead the church. So our home is our practice place, and out here, we just put on you what God runs us through. And by the way, Pastor Tyson, Chrissy, you have to go through a lot of things this church will have to go through. So you can practice at home and bring it here. I said, why are we going through so many things? And the Holy Spirit hit me. So you can teach other people because they're going through things. And um, anyway, engaged church. I looked up the word. I mean, I can understand what the word engaged means, but I like dictionary. Don't you like dictionary definitions? So I looked up the word engaged. It said committed, employed, in gear. When you engage a transmission, second gear is not engaging. Amen? Now, when you have something engaged, it moves. Amen? It moves. The word to be engaged is to be moved. See, it moves. Underneath it, it had the word engaging. Engaging. Engaging is attractive, favorable attention. Let me put it this way. An engaged church is very attractive. A church that's on the move. You ever been to a church that's just like, where's the undertaker? (laughs) Who died? (laughs) Is the pastor still alive? (laughs) 
And they come in, they don't see you, and they leave, they don't see you. You ever been to a church like that? No one even paid attention to you? Like, oh, visitor here. Hello. Smell me, hon. How do I smell? <laughs> you know, smell any children where? Was it us? Not engaged at all. Parked. In neutral. Not moving. Not care to move. And sometimes I think a visitor is out of sorts. He's like, what's he doing here? We've got to give him a visitor's card. That's a lot of work. <laughs> And so an engaged church is an engaging church. They're attractive. By the way, that's positive and negative attractive. You'll attract Satan as well as saints. You'll attract sinners. Amen. But you'll attract a lot of persecution with it. But that's good. That's real good. An engaged church. Uh, The early church is a model of an engaged church. If you ever want to see an engaged church, open the book of Acts. Mama me, you got them there. And all the other churches that started in the book of Acts. I mean, the early church is a model of that. And they, listen, their prayers went up. Power came down. People went out. Prospects came in. <whistles> preaching went on. And persecution came upon. That's an engaged church. Hey, man. That really is cool stuff. That's a good outline. I should preach that. What do you think? Paul, in his epistle, gives visible, measurable qualities of an engaged church. An engaged church has measurable and visible qualities. I like setting goals for my life, and then I aim for those goals, and I can always tell when I'm out of, out of base, out of, out, out of bounds. That goal keeps me. It lines me up. I have a measurable, visible way of reaching my goal. I set something. It's not immediate. I set something that takes steps to get there. Paul recognized an engaged church has three measurable, visible qualities. We're going to speak on tonight. Now, I don't want you to separate yourself from the church, which you will a lot of times. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. I know you got a nap, so I'm saying good morning. <laughs> Wake up. This church don't make you. You make this church. So when I say church, I'm talking about you individually. Every one of these qualities you have to possess as individual families to make this church that. You can't be something else and come here and make this church what it ought to be. You have to be home what this church ought to be and bring it here. Amen. That making sense? Yeah. So when I say church, don't isolate you. What I'm saying, well, yeah, that's church. No, no, you. I'm talking to you. Hey, you, as we say in the city. Hey, I'm talking to you. You, know I mean? you got to talk that way, rest they think you're from somewhere else. <laughs> if you speak real nice and you say water instead of water, you're in trouble. They're looking for your handbag. Amen. <laughs> you got to walk a certain way. You got to talk a certain way. Even, you know, if you're not from the hood, I could teach you. But you got to act like you own the hood. If you don't own the hood, they're going to own you. They'll know a stranger immediately. Oh, there's one. Let's go get them. We will view these measurable qualities just in a minute. The first Thessalonians will find them. Amen. Now, I warned you. So these qualities of an engaged church should be in every single one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I yield myself to you, as the song so rightly says, Father, naked come I thee for dress, humbly come I thee for grace. Lord, I know in me is not a a good thing, save your Holy Spirit. Lord, if you do a good work in me, I'll not think it's me. I'm not immature, nor am I a a young minister that, Father God, is heady or high-minded. Lord, I believe you could do a great work through me tonight, and I'll give you the glory and the honor. The work we need, you know. You know better than I the work. You know every heart in this room. 
Lord, I do pray that you, you just take that sword, cut away what doesn't belong, add to what does, take the candle, search our bellies, minister to our hearts and minds, strengthen this church. Thank you for all what you've already done in it and through it and what you'll continue to do. Anoint this young man and his wife and his children. Protect them, provide for them, and Lord Jesus, in so doing for this church. I pray this church would stay engaged in your will and your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. First Thessalonians, quickly. I'll try to go as fast as I possibly can. How's that? Get you in, get you out. Qualities or characteristics or of an engaged church. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, you'll see them. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in his sight of God and our Father. They're the three qualities. That's your three qualities right there. He, he tells the church in... Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and 15 through 18, he names the same three qualities. He says in Colossians chapter 1, 3 to 5, the same three qualities. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These are the three measures of an engaged church, and we'll see that clearly tonight in the book of Thessalonians. Thessalonians, by the way, is the greatest church in the New Testament. Philippians comes behind it. Philippians was a missionary church. I mean, Thessalonians didn't have to send Paul. Paul mentions that, said, you went so far and so beyond that I don't even have to come back to that region anymore. They became missionaries out of their own church. They went beyond their regions with the gospel. I mean, they were engaged. It was a suffering church, persecuted church, because they were so engaged. How about Ephesus? They had a love problem. Timothy was the pastor at Ephesus. That's the same uh, Timothy letters. That's the Ephesus church. That's the same church in the book of Revelation. They're all hooked up. They had a love problem. They got away from their first love and their first works. They got away from it. They lost their engagement. And you'll see why love is so important. Labor of love. Do you see one of the qualities here? Thessalonians had all three. Great church. Great church. I mean, you ought to master first and second Thessalonians. How do you master a book? Read it every day for 30 days in its entirety. Ooh, you'll see how simple the book is. Ah, there's other things to that, but I'm not here to teach you that. Let's look at the first point here, okay? The work of faith. The work of faith. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith. We could just flip that around and say faith works. If you say you have faith. Now, let me tell you what we all have. Knowledge. Let me tell you what knowledge does. Puffeth up. Let me tell you what we have very little have. A little have. It's faith. Faith works. If you believe something, your behavior changes. Your preacher preaches something, husbands, I, I hit this all the time and everybody don't like it. <laughs> Our church, here it goes again. Here's a first place to practice at home. Husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Do you believe that? Amen. That's cool. If you faith, you have to work on that. Now, you might not be able to do it, but you'll be working on it. And by the way, if you keep on working on it, you'll do it. How about this one? <laughs> I won't say it. Ladies, look at me now. Go ahead. Go ahead, say I got to submit today. That's what Jesus says. You believe it? See what I mean? No, let's pass that. Let's pass the home where faith works. 
And let's go someplace else. If you don't get it in the home, you're not getting it. That's why a pastor's credentials start in his home. But faith works. If you have faith, you work. If you believe that we ought to be lights and salt, if you believe we're supposed to get the word of God out, are you getting it out? Faith works. It gets in your crawl, and it makes you obey. I believe it. Hey, if I told you right now there's a storm coming, it's right up the road, it's going to be here in an hour, you think you're going to sit here until it comes? You're out of here. You're trying to get home, lash everything down, right? But if you don't believe it, you'll stay here. You might know it. You might believe it. You might even say, ah, it's possible. But when you really know it, you'll run. Faith moves people. This church had a work of faith. It really did. The word work here is ergon in the Greek, and it means effort. Effort. You know what I believe the great deception is? The great deception is when you deceive yourself. See, you could fool me. I might even catch you. But when I fool myself, I can't catch myself. I already get by. I got by the test. I got by me. I am the test. And if I fool myself, there is no other measure. I have nothing to bounce it off. I really believe this thing. And I believe the, the, the deception of reception. What do, what do you mean by that, the deception of reception? The deception is here is only. Look how they receive the word. This is what made their faith so, so effective. Two, chapter 2, 13, the beginning of 13. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it in truth, the word of God. You mean when Tice, Pastor Tice, I call him Tice, when Pastor Tice stands up to preach, it's God talking? Well, who do you think's talking? Chris, you think Pastor Tice wrote this book? God's talking. I'm telling you, if we could get a hold of this thing, I was under some whacked out pastors. I mean, I thought they were smoking Cheerios or something. I don't know, <laughs> snorting Wheaties. I don't know what they were doing, but they were some whacked out dudes. I'm telling you. Well, my kids love those pastors. My wife loves those pastors. And when he preached, I said, I got a choice. Take his personality and not listen to him, and who would I be hurting? If you think the hand that's feeding you is poison, you're never going to eat. You're better off moving, man. Well, when Pastor Tice stands up, if you're going to get engaged, you better believe it's not him speaking. Get rid of his vocal cords. In fact, come prepared. God, speak to me today. If you come that way, he'll speak to you. And you'll get up and say, that wasn't you, Pastor. That was the Lord speaking to me. And you're going to get out of this church, and you're going to do exactly what God says. I tell people in office all the time, if God came into my office, if Jesus came into our office, he sat down next to me, and he told you what to do, what would you do? They said, I'd do it. They need a physical, visible Jesus in order to do it. But no, it doesn't work that way. I mean, uh, even the Italian guy had to send for Peter. I mean, a mixed-up Jew who was crazy, who wanted to circumcise everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Hey, you want to get, you want to be a believer? No, <laughs> please, leave me alone. I'm Italian. <laughs> you ain't touching me with that blade. <laughs> Anybody walk around with a sharp stone and says, you want to get saved? No, it's okay. I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> Hello, ill Mary, full of grace. You ain't touching me, baby. <laughs> I mean, that's what we said. Send for Peter. Is it Italian? Send them for a Jew who wants to circumcise him. Hello. But God uses men. And Cornelius was there, and he's just like God talking to him. Cornelius fell on his knees and 
Start speaking Italian. That was the tongues. He went back to his native tongue. Dio mio, grazie tante, Dio mio. He said, my God, my God, thank you for the grace. It's abundant. That's what he was saying. He was speaking some crazy language. They knew what he was saying. It says, and he was praising and glorifying God. Because they knew a little bit Italian. They were under them for a few years, like, hello. They heard him talking when they were collecting their taxes. Hey, stupido. <laughs> They knew what stupid though was. He's a stupid Jew. He doesn't want to pay his taxes. You ever get a Jew who wants to pay his taxes? He got problems. <laughs> You're going to have a lawsuit on your head. He'll sue you for those taxes. So you see here the reception, and that's why they were under deception. It wasn't a man. Oh, Pastor Tice is a. That's his ideas. I just think he's too strict. I just think. That's what happened to the Corinthians. They thought Paul wasn't an apostle. So they didn't receive it as God's word. Bald-headed, short, little Jew, very, very strong with a pen, but weak in presence. And they weren't listening to him. They bad-mouthed him. And, so they, and he says, you know, you're straightened, but it's not our. He says, we're in a wide place, but you're straightened. You're squeezed. You're oppressed because they wouldn't hear him. Better watch what you do, what you preach her. Amen? God always send the man. And doesn't he send always a nice man, but he always sends a great word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the words of God will last forever. You better come in here and separate your pastor from the word of God. You better receive it as God's speaking to you. I'm telling you, it'll help your faith. And you'll get up to start working. Amen? I have a lot of preachers come to my pulpit for one reason. Because they say the same things I say. And it just confirms that then I get up and go. And, and they'll, they'll move when the other preacher says it. They will move when I say it. You figure that out. That really frustrates me. I, I said that 17 times. They sat there. Then they go, oh, well, did you hear what he said? I want to strangle him. We can't get Pastor off of Peter. He's in the back room. He's got him by his throat. Look at the response. Chapter 2, 13, the second part of that, verse 13, it says that the word of, uh, right after that, but as in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe, faith works. Amen. He said, I want to notice something about your engaged church. You're a working church because you have faith. Because you don't receive the word of God as from man, but as from God. He says, and it effectually worketh in you. You see their reception, you see their response. That word effectual is energio, energeo, okay? Sound familiar? Energio, energy, five-hour energy. Five-verse energy, energy faith. A five-verse energy faith. Right? You know, the first thing Satan does when you get the word sowed, he'll come up and put cares. He'll make riches. He'll give tribulation. He wants to choke the word off. He doesn't want you to believe it. Because he's afraid of an engaged church. Because an engaged church is a working church. And it's working based on the truth. Nothing else. They became followers, he says. The word works so much. Look at verse 14. For you, brethren, became followers of the churches of God. What is he? What's, see that word followers? It's, it's, it has a Greek word, and it means imitators. They did exactly like others who had the word believed. Amen. Second point, the work of faith, the labor of love. Now, you think work and labor would be the same, right? Uh-uh. This word labor has something to do with pain. It's the word copos, weary, pain. It's a labor 
in spite of pain. You know one of the weapons of Satan is suffering? He says to God, you let me get Job suffering. You'll see him curse you. You know, some of you new converts here, think it not strange of the fiery trial that's going to kick your Bible. You thought you were going to say something else, didn't you? You are wicked. I tell you. Padre Fidio, Speedy Sancto. You labor in spite of so many people quit church because after they get in, things don't go right. Literally, hell comes forth. Physical, financial, marital, social. I mean, you name it, it's going to rise up against you. And you're going to say, oh, I got saved and all this is happening to me. What's the use of getting saved? Man, I've seen so many people quit because they didn't have love. Love labors. Love continues even though they're suffering. Peter was suffering, and Jesus says, you're going to leave me too? He was suffering doctrine, suffering teaching. It was heavy for a Jew to hear what he had to hear. He says, you leaving me, Peter? He says, where else can I go? You know, there's times I want to leave God, but where else could I go? I couldn't leave anybody else because it gets heavy. I mean, my wife and I have been through some things collectively, maritally, children-wise, financially, I mean, socially, I mean, corporately in our church. We've been through the mill. Amen? Hey, many are the afflictions of those who want to do right, but God delivers them out of them all. <laughs> Still here, aren't I? Didn't lose any weight, did I? Hallelujah. Amen. I got two brand new knees, but that's okay. No more pain. I can't chase you, but I can shoot you. <laughs> there was a time I chased you, but now I just, ew. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get them. I got them. What do you do when you have two plastic knees? You carry a nine millimeter. <laughs> uh, my luck, I'll shoot one of my plastic knees. You know what I'm trying to do? <laughs> Jeez, I don't feel nothing. <laughs> right through the plastic knee. Hello. <laughs> Excuse me. Listen, six sisters, you know, eight kids. Come on. There's something wrong with me. I know. It's okay. My wife gets jealous because they only speak to me. <laughs> You'll get that later. In chapter, in chapter 3, 6 and 7, look at this church. Chapter 3, 6 and 7. But now then, Timotheus came from you and unto us, brought us good tidings of your faith, listen, of your love, that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to you. Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you and all the affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. They had faith and they had charity. And they were under great stress and affliction, but they continued to labor, your labor of love, your laboring in spite of your suffering. You didn't quit God. That's why Ephesus, it was so bad for Ephesus, you have lost your first love. I'm blowing your candlestick out. Come on. Come on. We're calling liars, liars. We're telling those at the synagogue of Satan, hey, we're standing up. We're patient. We're working. We're so winning. He said, but if you don't have love, you won't last we got to get to love Jesus. I like what you did. Worship him. you got to get to love Jesus because you'll quit if you don't. There's not a person or human. That affection can keep you. It's got to be this affection that will keep you. 
Why should we love him? Because he so loved us. He's our first love. Oh, no, I've loved many. No, no, not like this. This is, this is unmerited. This is while we were yet sinners. This is while we were enemies. He demonstrated his love for us. While we were yet against him, he dies for us. He lays his life down for us. Can't, can't. You got to go back to Calvary lest you forget his love for you. You got to stay around the cross and continue to say, I'm unworthy, but look what he done. Stay in love with Jesus, and if you're not there, get there. Because in a bad day, that's what's going to keep you. I'd love to quit, huh, but I can't. I just love him. And if this is what he wants to put us through, I have news for you. I don't know what I'm going, but he knows the way that I'll take. But I'll tell you, when we come forth, we'll be as gold. For his thoughts towards us are not for evil. They are for good. Why? Because he loves me. And that's why I'll love him. He always loves first, and then he gets a response. We need to respond to him, what he's doing for us. A church that loves him will stay engaged. If not, it's going to get kicked in the neutral, listen, or even reverse. Engaged, committed, I mean laboring, effort, working. And then that engaged church becomes attractive. It's engaging. Amen? They're challenging you. They're in your face. They're talking about another country, another world. I mean, they're seeing stuff you don't see. They got the eemie-jeemies. Huh? They're giving you the goosebumps. These people are nuts. I mean, they're looking like Jesus is standing right next to me, like, woohoo! Man, I couldn't stand born-again Christians. They gave me the chills everywhere. I used to persecute him, and I became one at 30 years old. I was like Paul. I was injurious to the church. At 29 years old, 30 years old, somewhere in there, I bowed my knee. Jesus gave me his life. So appreciative, so appreciative. And so we see the labor of love here. The report was that they were a loving church. And uh, look at their reputation, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. They had a great reputation. Chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And in spite of they had this labor of love, he wanted them to increase. Well, I love, I love Jesus. I love this church. I love our pastor. Good. Grow in it. Keep on growing it to where if you lost anyone here, it would be a great loss to you. I mean, get to love each other. Get to love your Savior first, and that will spread others. We see the work of faith. Faith puts out an effort, ergon, labor, and it's weary and it's painful. You know what it reminds me of? Jacob. Remember Jacob? He labored for beautiful Rachel for seven years. And he gives them Leah. He wakes up in the morning and goes, oh, my goodness. You ugly duckling. Where'd you come from? <laughs> it sounded like she was real ugly, didn't it? And he says, hey, I want the other one. I paid for the other one. No, you're getting ugly. Ugly always goes first in our country. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so I had a friend of mine who had this real ugly wife. True story. This is what he tells us before he introduces me to her. He says, now listen, Dom, she's ugly. He said, but you get around her. He says, and you'll see how beautiful she is. Well, we had a, a little thing that night at his house, about two hours into it. She was beautiful. I mean, what a person. What a beautiful person. And on the way out, he said, well, what do you think, Dom? I said, she's beautiful. I said, you're right. His name was Toma, Mike Toma. I said, you're right. He said, didn't I tell you? Isn't she beautiful? Well, when you first looked at her, I mean, <laughs> 
Somebody hit her <laughs> really hard. Everything was like distorted. Her nose was coming out over here. One big ear, one tiny ear. She looked like she got run over. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Anyway, uh, he loved her, man. He loved her. You know, they say beauty is only skin deep. I know some beautiful women that are ugly. You get the point? I call them pretty ugly. He said, man, I said, your wife's pretty ugly, buddy. He said, I don't think so. I think she's cute. She's pretty ugly. She's pretty ugly. Labor of love, something you work. Jacob worked for another seven years for that Rachel. That's love. That's what I'm talking about. Laboring in spite of another seven years for Jesus. We do it for physical love. Jesus wants to be spiritually. He wants to be the motivator. He says, you're an engaged church because you're, you're, you have a faith that really is doing some things. You have a love that no matter what you go through, you just hang in there. And then finally, you have a patient of hope. The word hope here is confident waiting for a favorable outcome. Hope is confident waiting for a favorable outcome. Even Job waited for a favorable outcome. Even though he's slavery, I'm going to come forth as gold. Amen. I'm going to, he had a favorable outcome. James actually says, note the patience of Job. Amen. Jeremiah, he says, my thoughts towards you, Jeremiah, are not free, but they're for good. I have a favorable outcome, which you're going through. And so faith, which produces a love for God, gives us a hope. That no matter what we're going through, I'm laboring in all these troubles. He says, yeah, I know, but I'm refining you through them. I'm making you a better pastor, a better husband, a better father. Everything I go through, I have a choice, bitter or better. God's not satisfied with me. He always wants not better but best. He wants me to be the best father, the best husband, the best pastor. So therefore, the fire's got to go, the more fire, more fire. And so, patience of hope. Chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus Christ, which delivered us from the wrath to come. They were waiting for Jesus to come back. They were a hopeful church. Why are you guys working? Because he told us to. That's faith. But look at all you're going through. Yeah, but we love him. And it's okay. You, what he went through with us, we're just going to continue to do. Well, what do you keep doing? What's the result? He's coming. To, he might be today. I want to be found working when he comes. I don't want to be found idle when he comes. See, when you're looking for his coming, it motivates you to wait and to wait for a favorable income. Let's close. Let's close in. Now look at before I do close, Second Thessalonians chapter one. Second uh, Thessalonians one. I want to show you something here. Verse three and four. Second Thessalonians three and four. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. See the qualities of an engaged church? It's right there. 
Chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 8. I close, Pastor Tyson, you can come and do what you will with the invitation, sir. I love you, Pastor. I love his wife. Amen. Chrissy, I know since she's been a, and she's two, three years old. Church started in our house. Faith Independent Baptist Church. How old are you now, Chris? No, no, I have to say it. Uh, were you born during those days? 33, 34 years ago? Really? Wow. You're old. You're real old. Thank you for this privilege. I love you. You got yourself. I wanted him to stay in the inner city. I mean, if he wasn't going to make a move with Pastor Griffin, I had a move for him. But then he moved up here to rev beat me to it. I'm telling you, you got yourself a fine young couple. You really do. This guy's engaged, and he's very engaging. He's very attractive. And uh, he loves the Lord. Him and his wife love the Lord. They've been through it. They've worked, they worked weeks without a dime's pay, sometimes not even food. Did they quit? I got news for you. This kid's not only got faith, him and his wife, but they had a love for Jesus. I'm talking about these two tonight. And it's spreading. It's spreading in his congregation. Their faith, their labor of love, and they got a hope. And you know they're looking to Jesus to come any day and any time. Great couple, man. You are blessed. And if anybody in his church gives them a hard time, you ought to stand up and protect him. You lose them, you lose. I've seen them work, love, and wait. And not just for his return, but for favorable outcomes week after week. My wife and I would speak of them often. How wonderful. The fires they came through. Mm-mm-mm. You got yourself some silver and gold here, buddy. Don't blow it. And make sure they never go hungry again. You hear that? You make sure their refrigerator's full. And you go visit them, and if she goes to the bathroom, check the cupboards. <laughs> Drop a $50 bill in the refrigerator or a $100 bill and leave. Don't ever make them suffer like that again. A man's worthy of his heart. You've got an engaged couple. This church, ah, as it goes on, will continue to be an engaged church. I'm not telling you to be engaged. You are. I'm just letting you know these are the qualities you have already displayed as I've been watching you for the last over a year and a half, two years. You've suffered many things here, and you're still here. You've got to be loving somebody other than the pastor's. So you've already had these qualities. Let me compliment you. You already got it. Don't quit, but grow more in faith. Grow more in love. Amen? And continue in your hope. Jesus, any moment, any day, any day, any moment. First Thessalonians 5, 8, then Pastor Tice will come. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. Stay dressed, church. Stay engaged. The preacher's done. He's done what God's told him to do. Now it's time for us. And uh, this is where we do our work. Where it begins, really. If God spoke to your heart, let's move. Let's not sit and let it be in neutral in our hearts and our minds. Uh, Often we are satisfied with not making a decision. Indecision is a decision. You heard that first point, faith works. How's your faith tonight? 
Is it in Christ? Often our disappointments uh, reveal our faith. We're disappointed with how things turned out because our faith wasn't really in God, it was in us. What about labor of love? Do you love Jesus? It's hard to stop a church that loves Jesus. We love Jesus, we'll love people. Patience and hope. Tribulation worketh patience. Maybe you're in tribulation right now and you say, I don't know, God, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm having a hard time. God say, I'm just trying to build your patience. Trying to show you where hope is. My help cometh from the Lord. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.